Welcome to the BJ Robbins Podcast. I am BJ. Thanks for joining us. Uh, In the studio, I have a very special guest. Um, You might have heard him on some of the other podcasts that I do. Uh, Mr. Dustin Roller. What's up, my man? Not much. He is in the educational field. Um, So I want to bring him in because a lot of... I have two sons that are in high school. Um, I have a freshman and a sophomore. So in one one of the things we were talking about is how education has changed. So, because you grew up in a small town, right? I did. Uh, what town did you grow up in? I grew up in Mitchell, Indiana. What do you? What was the population down there? You think <laughs> Mitchell's about five thousand. Five thousand. Mm-hmm. That's actually where uh, one of our close friends, AP, and then I believe Sproles also, right? Sproles, yeah. So Sproles moved in when we were in high school. Yep. That's one of us. Uh, so that's actually all of us have been a big part of. Um, uh, our podcast and you actually do two podcasts yourself yeah um i'm part of uh, married with children uh, that i do with my wife um and then throttled up as a, a local racing podcast i do with a, a friend of mine actually and now um once a month i'm doing the podcasting principle that connects back to my my education background well and that and that's the one the main reason i want to have you in was because i knew you grew up in a small town and you actually teach in a small town mm-hmm. you're a principal of the small town right yeah when did you become principal? I have this is my second year as the principal. Before the year before that, I was the assistant principal. Spent two and a half years before that as the dean of students, and then all that prior to that was teaching and coaching. What what classes did you teach? I taught world history, psychology, and sociology. All those go together. <laughs> all of those go together. And then what did you coach? I coached football. I was a assistant coach for about eleven years, and then a head coach for two years. And then um, what was your specialty on, in coaching uh, football, you would say? Was you the quarterback whisperer? No, not even close. <laughs> um, I was a line guy, and, and I always go back to I mean, it's what I played, and, and I always believe that, you know, you got to have the guys up front in order to do anything. So I was probably the guy that all the skill guys got tired of because they'd come up with all these fancy plays, and my first question would always be, how are we going to block it, you know? Yeah, I played, um, I played right tackle. So I played that the position on the line. Absolutely. Besides, besides, I played center too. It, going back to you know the blind side, you know the the one that uh, you can left tackle, right tackles get paid as much as some quarterbacks. So. I wasn't <clears throat> I wasn't a big guy. I was just tall. So a lot of times it's because now because I was so frustrated because I was like, man, like I want to play receiver or tight end because I was I was pretty quick and I wasn't you know. And then as the more I played football, the more I realized like how much they had us to eat. And then I'd have to lose it for basketball. Oh, I bet. It was brutal. Um, yeah, I never had to get into that basketball thing. That, that basketball thing didn't work out for that me. Was, that was my best sport was basketball, actually. So the, the, the transition from going from teacher to principal, how big of a change was that for you? You know, it, it's huge. Um, and it was, it was a tough decision for me. I love the classroom. Um, still do love the classroom. I you know, when I when I get the opportunity to go out and be in classes and, and work with kids, I think that's the best part of the day. And so when I had the opportunity, I, I still love coaching. I still love teaching. And the opportunity came up at a Christmas break for me to become the interim dean of students. And I made that decision. It was a tough one for me. But, you know, it, it money is still always a part of it. And it was the same money as what I was making teaching and coaching. It was going to be less hours um, and less, you know, time outside of the uh, the workday. So I made that decision. I had a one-year-old son at home at the time and and got into it. Probably the toughest thing for me in that first role as a dean of students that all I dealt with was discipline. And, you know, in, in a school of 1,200, there's plenty of discipline to go around a lot of times. And what I hated of that job was I went from really loving what I did and teaching and and coaching and, and impacting kids in a positive way to most of my day became negative. And even though I would work to try and make relationships with kids and, and help them and did, you're still calling a parent to let them know bad news. You're, you're still talking to a kid and letting them know bad news. 
so that was a that was a tough two and a half years for me and to be honest when i got done with that i was to the point of ready to go back to the classroom and we kind of re um shuffled the way we did things and and reformatted our administrative team and i became an assistant principal and was able to get away from just doing uh discipline and got to be able to be out more that made it a lot better but the role of principal is by far the best job i've ever had in education and I don't do any discipline unless it's something big that I've got to weigh in on. I get to really interact with kids. I get to build relationships with kids. I get to come up with crazy ideas that people can't tell me absolutely not to. Um, And that's the best part. You know, something I implemented last year that was just unbelievable. I started to shadow students and I tried to do one each nine weeks and I'd pick them from different backgrounds. And the first one was a a senior who was a um, one of probably our top, 25% 25% student and I followed her through her whole day. She met me at 7:50 in the morning. I went to her classes with her. I did the homework. I took the test she took. I ate lunch with her, went to her meetings after school and the whole day and even my staff knew not to not to bring me any problems that day I was I was dusting. And then the second 9 weeks I actually went with uh, one of our um, Southeastern Career Center students uh, that went over for trade school and rode the bus with him and all the other kids over to the trade school and he was actually in criminal justice and uh got he's the first kid that got to handcuff me because we worked on handcuffing techniques and kind of the cool thing for me as a principal something that you don't always get to do the second part of the class was searches so we got to go back and hide fake drugs all over our body and then come back out and see if they could find them and so when you come home and your wife's like what'd you do today i'm like that's awesome. I had drugs all over me today. So, you know, getting to do those things and see it through the eyes of a kid, I think is really, really important to, to understand how we can better the education system. Now, how big is 1,200 students considered class size in, in, in Indiana? Um, you know, in football, we're about four or four a, um, and same thing in basketball, four a. Um, so we're, you know, we're a smaller four a. Um, you know, you talk about your Carmels, your Warren Centrals, your, your mixed schools up here. You're talking in the, the three to 4,000 range, student range. Um, some of the bigger Southern schools. Um, Seymour, I think, is now up to right around 18, 1900 maybe. Because they split, though, because I'm actually from Seymour, which is James County was our rival. Mm-hmm. I still remember the basketball game playing against <laughs> you guys. It was the most packed, and we have one of the largest gyms in the Absolutely. United States. Um, but because they split because they actually have a private high school now. Yeah. And then that's one of the questions I did have for you. But back to what you were talking about is how you went to a small, smaller school and James County's a little bit bigger, but it's kind of the same town a little bit, same makeup, right? Mm-hmm. How, how has it changed now that you're leading instead of being led? You know, I think the, I think the biggest thing that I try and do differently, um, and, and it may be, you know, I'm a little younger as far as being a principal of a high school. When I was when I was in high school, I always remembered our principal being an older gentleman. He didn't really interact with us. You know, you even talk about like ball games and things. He'd kind of be off to the side. You know, he never – I don't ever remember having a lot of just conversations with him in the hallway. He was just kind of off. And I kind of try and be the anti of that. You know, um, we took a senior trip this year with all of our seniors over to Cincinnati. I took my five-year-old with me. We went, we were a part of the entire senior trip, went to the zoo, went to the Reds game, did everything with them. And I really want to be able to have those connections with kids because if you can build those relationships, it allows them to be much more open and honest with you about what you're doing. Yeah, because how has teaching changed, do you think? Um, because I, I, all right, so here's our, <clears throat> here's where one of the things I want to get into is ADHD, right? Oh, All yeah. of our close friends, we know he has it, right? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it kind of said my son had it, right? Because mm-hmm. they said, well, you didn't pay attention. He can't do this and can't do that. But here's where my problem was with that. Like, he could play Madden and break the game down because he cared about that. Mm-hmm. How much is it, like, kids just – because, like, there are certain classes, like, I cared about and I was great in. Other classes, like, I don't want to be here. And, and I think we're pinpointing, especially boys – I think they think, well, he's acting up in class. He's doing this, and right away, we're we're, we're trying to shove medicine down their throat. I agree, hundred percent. I think I think it's a, a twofold part there. Um, number one, I I always say that I don't think kids have changed. Now they have in a way, but you always hate when people talk about this generation is this or this generation is this. And I always joke that you know, 
you know, when my dad was growing up, his parents hated his, you know, Kiss music and Alice Cooper and all that. But when I was growing up, he hated my Eminem and, you know, my hip hop that I was playing. And, and in the same sense, what you're talking about, number one, I always tell my teachers and some disagree with me. Teaching now is is content knowledge, but also being a little bit of an entertainer. You have to consider yourself still on stage because you have to keep their engagement and bring them in. You know, and I know you've done some stand up comedy in your past. It's it's a lot of that. Not telling jokes, but you got to constantly be reading the audience. Are they with me? Are, are am I the old days of I'm just going to walk up here with a piece of chalk and you either get it or you don't? We can't do that anymore because. What makes it tough is what you just talked about. These kids have so much instant gratification. It's not just kids. I'm the same way. Um, you know, I don't know how many times I'll start going through YouTube videos. I know on your other shows, we've talked a lot about going down that rabbit hole, and it's like, ah, I don't like this. Next, next, well, next. Look, look what we're about to do, though. If if I really, you know, if I really wanted to, I can. We can do this show, forty five minutes. I can edit it. I can have it up tonight for for millions to listen to. Mm-hmm. Think about that. I mean, that's where we're at now. We're sitting in a um, a room, not a, not a true studio. We built a studio, but like we can do that right now. Absolutely. And so, and they're talking about video game generation, which I'm 39 years old, and so I grew up playing Sega on up. Oh yeah, but I still played sports and still went to school, and and that's what the problem is. They're like, well, this generation, and I have two teenage boys, and I'm like. I'm okay with my boys. I mean, and that's the whole point is it, Luke has a girlfriend for a while. He's had a girlfriend for a while. They went to the movies last night. Colin's playing football. Um, they've, you know, they made some mistakes, but they're actually, I was talking to my wife. <laughs> they were in, my oldest has friends over and they were being loud playing video games. And my wife's like, man, these kids. And I was like, I was like, they're freshmen sitting in a living room. I was like, I did a lot worse as a freshman. <laughs> She's like, well, what'd you do? And I was just like, I did a lot worse. Well, and I, I talk about that too, because, you know, I think what, it, I think it's kind of like the 24-hour news cycle today. Mm-hmm. You know, with social media, we know so much more what kids are getting into that we think they're so much worse. But I know for myself, and and I know AP would be the same way because we went to school together. Thank goodness all that stuff isn't documented that we got into. Because I agree with you that a lot of that stuff, um, we weren't the best kids. And to kind of go back on what you were talking about with the ADHD thing, I think one thing that hurts boys especially, we have taken so much of their ability to move um, during the day. And I'm a huge proponent of that. You know, I even at, at 34 years old now, I can't go in and sit in my office all day long. I will constantly get up, go walk the building, get in classrooms, come back. Our boys have to get up and move to get that energy out, in my opinion, to be able to focus and pay attention. No, I was the same way. Um, and I think I get some of the challenges that we have when it comes to like things like dodgeball. I know that sounds very weird to say. I get that. But I think that we're also, we're failing kids by saying that everybody's going to make it, that everybody's going to succeed. And, and this is one thing that, um, when I was a senior in high school, I, I could either take advanced biology and I was like, dude, I'm not going to college. I'm not taking this. So I took consumer um, consumer math, mm-hmm. taught by the wrestling coach. Um, he's passed away, Mr. Zalman, amazing teacher. He kept your presence, right? He taught us how checking accounts work, checkbooks work. I think that has, even if you're going to college, that I think that has to be a requirement because how many kids don't know how their student loans are going to work? I, I give you a great example, and I agree 100%. And when I was in college, I had a good buddy, and, and we're walking across campus, and they've got all these credit card companies out there, and they'll they'll give you a free pizza if you apply for a credit card. They'll give you a T-shirt. And just like him, I would apply for all of them, which I found out that if you use the wrong social security number, which is what I started doing, was just making up one to get the pizza, they will call you back out on that, and you, you're not supposed to just use any random <laughs> social security number. Um, but he would get them. Well, even when they would come in the cards that were actually in my name, I just cut them up and get rid of them. Um, he used it as free money and didn't realize, you know, he thought, oh, okay, I've, I've maxed this card out. I'm just 5000 in debt. Once I get out of college, I'll pay it off. Not that every month 39.5% mm-hmm. is rolling onto it. And there's a kid, college kid, had no clue how that credit system was going to work and what it was going to do to him. 
Yeah, and then you think about kids that are are going to go into um, when they go to buy a house. Let's say let's say they they trade school. Let's say they become an electrician. They go to work at um, Toyota, for example, mm-hmm. down in Wellsboro. Great company to work for. My brother works there. Works there five years. Saved up to goes to buy a house, and in all of a sudden, you um, get a hold of a lender because um, you should always get a pre approval letter. Um, per AP Aaron Powell Real Estate, <laughs> yes, you get a pre you get a pre approval letter so you know because that way right away if they're like, um, hey, there's a problem because this is going to sound really funny, but your mom or dad could have used your social to get the gas bill or cable bill and you mm-hmm. not know it because mm-hmm. we don't focus on credit score because our credit score basically runs our life. And I think and you know when it comes to the auto loan and, and trade difference, there's so many things that kids don't know about. And, and, and it's so cliche to say, well, it's real life experience. No, it doesn't have to be because we can actually, you have a homeroom class, mm-hmm. you know, why, you know, a homeroom class or you have this class, there's something we can take away, make an elective and be like, Hey, we're going to teach you whether you go to college or you're going to go right out in the world, real world, we're going to tell you, and you can have financial people come in and, and cause I learned more out of that consumer math than I did anything else. Well, and it's kind of it's kind of funny because we started last year and it was a partnership with our public library, and they started helping set up some people to come in. But we literally um, ran adulting one hundred and one classes after after school, and we had people from German American Bank come in and talk about opening a bank account and what when they give you that giant packet that we've all gotten when you open the checking account that none of us know what it means. What do you really need to look for to make sure you're getting out of that? And then we even went to the point of having, you know, some some mechanics come in, auto mechanics, and talk about the simple fact of, you know, making sure you're not going to get yourself in a bad spot where someone takes advantage of, you know, what should an alternator cost? What is an alternator problem? Just some of those things that, again, I think to even us, you know, and I'm not the most most handy guy in the world, but I've, I've at least got a knowledge of it and and these kids sometimes don't have any knowledge with it so yeah like by having tools i mean I, i'll go back to ap one of our close friends you go to his garage and he has like five unopened <laughs> toolkits right and then i get to a certain point with my wife i was she was like well what do you want for christmas or your birthday or whatever ho- holiday it was i was like i need tools you know because you know i felt silly because you know and enters you get a certain age and you're paying for these things it's like I have, a, I have a car that everything you get fixed on is very expensive, yeah. right? So the alternator to get it fixed on the car was going to be like $1,800. The part was $60. Mm-hmm. Me and AP fixed it, right? It took eight hours, but we fixed it, right? <laughs> because the old mentality was, is ah, I'll just have someone take care of it. Or the old me is like, oh, I'm just going to go trade it in. I'm not messing right. with this. But then I didn't realize that you're, un, you're uh, under a car basically means is or is it under or over? Upside down. Upside down. I don't know. You're upside down in that car, which means they take what you owe, tack it onto that, mm-hmm. and they just show you trade difference. They don't teach you actual cash value. That's what they're paying towards your actual principal loan. Mm-hmm. And then they tack the rest onto it. So next thing you know, you're paying $500 for a car, and you're like, but they gave me like 14000 for this car. No, that's the trade difference that they're showing you from that vehicle to this. Well, and, and even to the point, you know, my wife and I laughed the other day. My son loves Bass Pro Shops because of the big aquarium. So my five-year-old. So anytime we're down in Clarksville, he wants to go to Bass Pro. And, and we were down there the other day, and I just happened to walk through the boat section. There's, you know, a, a pontoon boat there that's $70-some thousand dollars. Wow. But on the, on the sign, it says, you know, $225 a month. And I'm like, there's no... How, but it's spread out for like 13 years the loan is and the the percentage rate is so high but so many people walk in and just go i can do 225 a month and not think that by the time that this is done 13 years from now this boat's going to be trashed it's not going to be worth a dime probably and i'm still paying 225 a month and by the end of it instead of a seventy thousand dollar boat i've probably paid a hundred thousand dollars yeah and and i think that when we were younger we were taught to have you have to have the house Mm mm-hmm you know, the white picket fence, a dog, a cat, two kids, and a husband and wife, right? And, and, that, and that was said, unless you're there, you're not successful. And and I think there's kids that w- didn't come from that. And then when they go through school, they're already like, well, what's the point? And I think those are the kids that, I don't want to say left behind, but the, I think there's something has to switch. Because I grew up in mobile homes. Yep. Um, and one point in time, 
uh, me and my mom, my brother slept in a room smaller than this, right? But my mindset was like, hey, I'm going to get out of here. But not everybody has that because if you constantly tell Johnny, and this is a Snoop Dogg quote, which is a great quote. If you keep telling Johnny he's a piece of crap, he's going to start eventually believing he's a piece of crap. Mm-hmm. And I think we have, I think that's so hard between an educator and when it comes to the parents is there's that such that fine line is you, you know, you know, you, because you, you don't want to push too far because that is their parents, but it's hard because you see a potential in the kid and you just like, he's not going to have a shot with those parents. And this sounds so weird, but I, I've had the experience of both teaching and coaching in the inner city. And then, and then, like you said, being back in a small rural town and, um, what I always said when I was in the inner city, what we really focused on, you know, we had the drug dealers on the corner that were rolling up in a Cadillac with 22s, you know, and getting out and had the jewelry and had the brand new Jordans that had never been scuffed with three more pairs in the back, you know, all of that stereotypical mystique. And our, our kids had that. I want that. You know, they, they wanted that. So if you could just get them to, and it, not saying it was easy, derail from the idea that I can go sell crack to I can go get an education and still get that, but be safe with it. You can do that. Sometimes what we struggle with in the rural communities is they're okay with just what their parents have. I just need a rusty old truck. I just need, you know, a plot of land out back. So getting to have what you had with that is I'm going to outdo this. I'm going to better myself. It's sometimes a struggle with some of our kids. And, um, and it's something that, you know, I also think, and I read a great book one time, and it was a, a woman from West Virginia who ended up with a doctorate, and she struggled so much getting her bachelor's degree because every time she would go home, her family would say, so you think you're better than us? You think you're better than us? Oh, you 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 really think? And it tore her apart. It's because like Boston, so you think you're better than us yeah, now? Yeah, just because you, gotta, you go to college, you're fancy. She wanted to drop out just so that would stop. And I think a lot of our kids struggle with that because um, they don't want that, you know. And it's so funny when you talk about parents, and I know you well enough to know, and you're very similar to my mentality in the sense, nothing would make you happier than watching your two boys outdo anything you've ever done. And, and but he, no, I agree. And here's the hard part: um, my wife, my wife's uh, father is a research chemist for a retired research chemist, right? Mm-hmm. He has a doctorate in the philosophy of chemistry. Which means he's stupid, right? Right. Yeah, no doubt. And and um, Steph's mom, before she passed, was a physical therapist in Muscatatuck, actually. That's why she moved from Delaware. Really? She okay. She worked with special needs, so already she's amazing. You know, I was like, wow. Like, so she came from these amazing people. And my mom uh, is amazing. And, uh, and, and Pops, he's my stepdad. I call him Pops or whatever. He coached for 30 years. So... You know, I had great influences, but we struggled a lot, mm-hmm. and and she didn't struggle. They went on family vacation. She went on that European trip. Went to Washington D.C. So they they did all that stuff, right? The typical middle class, right? Right. And I always tried to teach the kids, like, hey, this was this is what I went through. But until you go through it, they don't understand. It. And my wife beats it in my head because I was like, you know, I told the boys I moved thirty seven times before the age of eighteen. And I've heard you say that before. All in the same town. And I've heard you say that before, and that's something that is amazing because I didn't experience that. And it's something that, you know, we really work to get our teachers to understand stories like that because they don't, again, you're still going to the same school. You know, people aren't noticing. It's it's not that transitional. I'm moving far, like you just said. But, and I've heard you talk about it before, that feeling of being transient and constantly having to have your things together and and go has to be hard. Yeah, I mean, um, and that was the hardest part was because you go through a lot in school and, you know, you get picked on, you get bullied, and it's very difficult, you know. Unluckily, the worst part is we grew up in the era of shoes. Mm-hmm. That's the in the era <laughs> of shoes and guest jeans and then um, boss and then high, whatever else the, the shticks were at the time. And I remember lying about my pants and saying what they were or what this was. Because you didn't want to feel left out. Mm-hmm. And it causes so much anxiety in kids. And, and that's where I... So when I talk to my son, then my youngest son goes through it a lot, right? Um, and, and it's hard because the biggest thing I can ever tell parents or teachers, or especially parents, is like, you have to be transparent. 
if you got arrested in high school, you need to talk about it. And I did with my kids. If you did drugs, I talked to him about my, what I did with drugs. You know, I talked to him about, I drew, I drunk and I drove drunk before. And then when I had kids, I stopped. I was like, Oh my God, what if that guy kills mm-hmm. my kids? So you have things that change you, but you have to be transparent because you can't be afraid to talk to your kids about it. And that, that I don't care if it's 2019, 20 or 1942. And I think you bring up a great point, not just about parents, but it's something that I encourage my teachers to do. And, and some are, are not as comfortable with it. I, I have been very, very honest and upfront with, with students that walk into my office or when they're in my classroom. Um, I had a very, very traditional middle-class upbringing. My mom, on the other hand, came from some very traumatic situations. And my mom's, uh, my grandfather on my mom's side was serving life in prison when I was 18 years old. And while that, I didn't see that direct effect because my mom had shielded my, my sister and I from that. I saw what it did to her. And I'm very open with the, the students that I have talking about those situations. And again, some of the things I did, some of the problems I had. And what I've noticed with kids, they're not judging me as if, oh my gosh, you shouldn't ever be a principal because you did all that. They realize you're real. You're, you're not something that just thinks you're better than them. You went through the same struggles you did. They did. They are. You made decisions that, that weren't the best because you were under those pressures. Yeah. And I mean, my, my, my biological father is on the front page of the paper for something that's, and I've, you know, and then my stepmom at one point in time was a ex hooker or mm-hmm. whatever. And I've told the story and, and I tell people my story, but, and it's funny as I was working in Dallas, Texas, um, when I worked for Seven Eleven at acquisitions and I was in, we we're remodeling and they put me in charge of construction. And I was like, I have no idea how to do this, <laughs> but me being me. Um, so we, f- I figured it out and, uh, I was working through a shift one guy I was mopping the floor or whatever. And he's like, where are you from? And I told him or whatever. And he's like, Oh, so that's where you're. And he started talking about, you know, like moms and dads. Like, no, I grew up with my mom most part of my life. Then she got remarried. And then, you know, we start getting into like depth of the stories. Like, you know, I need, <laughs> and this is what stuck with me. And this goes back to kids. It's like, I would have never been able to tell. I thought you were a upper middle class snob. And I was like, I was like, just because you grew up somewhere, doesn't mean that you, you have to be that environment. Yeah. It doesn't have to define you. And, and I think that's, and some people like that, you know, it's like, you know, cause I work in the inner city mm-hmm. up here. And I think a lot of times people where is the badge of honor and then i think some of the kids that we have in smaller towns that don't have that they want to be they want to be like that because and then but they don't know what it's really like to go yeah. through that and you know uh so and being a, being a kid is fun but it, it's very hard because it just comes down to the parents but do you think the teachers that you have there and i think i know that the answer is this they do they want to teach there yeah oh, absolutely and then have you been the overall education system is mm, we see that's being some of it's being defunded right yep um and how's the defunding and and especially when you get into to like let's say ips schools and i'm not going to knock ip i'm not no it's but how's it affecting a lot of those schools you know here's the here's the really tough thing right now and what it what it's doing and and um public education especially has taken a, a big hit in, in recent years in, in the state of Indiana. And, um, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not an excuse maker. There are things we can do better, and we have to do better. Um, we have to get rid of some of those old habits that we talked about when we started this show and, and be innovative and, and reach kids in different levels. But on the flip side, where it's hurt us the most, most of us that had already gotten into education, we're going to stay. And, you know, and it's tough. I mean, in my... 11 year career and and this isn't you know a woe is me but we more times than not we haven't got a pay increase during those years and and again that's in the private sector that happens all the time so i'm not woe is me cry but years before you had that to plan as you started your life that as a teacher you were going to get those incremental bumps each year and that's okay where it hurts is the new teachers coming in. And this is a big thing that I push with my staff because some of my older staff will get frustrated. And when we've got top level kids that say, man, I want to go to college and be a teacher. And they're like, go away. Don't do anything else. And I always say this, that's really easy to say if your own kids are out of school, but I've got a one and a five-year-old at home. 
I want the best of the best going to school to be a teacher because they're going to teach my kid. And I want my kid to get the same experience with great teachers. You know, you just talked about your consumer math teacher. You know, people ask me who the teachers were that inspired me to go into education. And it's not a lot of what some people would think. It was the ones that made relationships with me, that made connections with me, that pushed me to be better. And those are the kind of people I want to see going back into education. And, and that's the big one. You know, that, that teacher shortage that's out there right now um, is, is very, very difficult. Um, and it's also, you know, the funding piece, um, I probably am a little bit different on. Um, I think that I think that the whole funding structure needs to be relooked at because I do think it's difficult and and you know and I understand the whole budgeting process with the different pots of money, but I think it's tough for the public to look at teachers asking for raises, but high schools are building million dollar stadiums, um, you know, or the Greenwood Middle School, and, and and that's I that's the problem, and I think that's something as as a state we need to look at how that money is dispersed and what it's allowed to use i mean we still have to have operations funds we still have to have buildings we still have to have things to do things but we've got to balance it a little bit better than what we have yeah because there was it there a surplus and i can't remember um i think marion county had a surplus and i can't remember what he was gonna do with it like some kind of something what was he gonna do with it I think that's a tree or something like that. Something to do something real weird or whatever, like 300,000 were like, the roads are not fixed. Go down 38th street yeah. and it's tearing up people's cars. It was just, it was mind numbing. But, and that, and that's one of the questions I had was, is the influence you had, like mine was Greg Pringy, right? Cause he scared the hell out of me. He's principal mm-hmm. of Seymour and he, a great guy. He was my freshman <laughs> basketball guy. coach. Uh, I remember getting a concussion. He told me, "I really need to just step up, second half." And I went the wrong. I went to the wrong side of the court. And, and it's he, amazing how those rules have changed. He threw a book at somebody <laughs> sleeping. He always called everybody "boy," "hey boy," but he scared you. Mm-hmm. And like, if you but if you gain his respect, I was like, okay. Out of everybody else, and we had Coach Goodman, who's a legendary coach. Absolutely, I loved listening to hear him talk. Um, because he was so smart and he would break stuff down and stuff like that and but just listen to coach prangy because you can tell that he was still kind of a kid at heart but but like you're gonna have to you would have to earn his respect mm-hmm. and i i don't even remember who the principal was before him and that's because there was no impact right and i could barely remember most of my teachers because there was no impact uh, but he was also a coach and a teacher so he had a big impact and um Plus, I played basketball against them after I graduated at like a church league, mm-hmm. and and like just seeing him be himself, and I was like, "Oh, you, you're human. You are human." I, I I was running the score up on him though. That's that's one of my favorite things is I'm now getting to you know ten eleven years in, I've started to have even when I was coaching a lot of my former players come back and coach with me, and now some of my former students and players come back and teach underneath me and the funniest thing is the first time they kind of shut that office door and they hear what really happens behind the door when nobody's around and they're like oh my gosh i didn't know this is what the coach's office was like i thought you guys were all in here mad all day long like no it's just when you knocked on the door and opened the door you know we have a lot of fun in here as well and and you know to kind of let them see that side of it i agree next time we see praying tell myself hello i will and um i don't know if you remember me or not um so what are what are the biggest challenges that you think um, schools are facing? We're having teacher shortages because the cost of living goes up. What it used to be around around seven eight percent a year mm-hmm. for everybody, but the teachers are not getting paid, and there's a big shortage of it. Are they going to the private sector more than public? You know, no. I mean, yeah the the private sector as far as corporations things like that. He, here's the thing that that's hurting a lot of people, and and it's an economy driven thing too. Um, you know, especially in our math and sciences, if I've got an advanced degree in math and science and I'm teaching in the private sector right now, you can go find a job making twice as much money without much effort. And it's, it's a difficult thing for us to, us to fight against and, and understandable. I mean, I can't knock anybody that says I'm getting more money, less time and, and a better opportunity. And the other real challenges I think are, um, you know, getting kids to value education no matter where they're going. And that's a big push for me to try and kind of transform Jennings County High School. And 
a lot of our teachers when we we started as an admin team it was still college 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 and you know my even my own dad my dad was a millwright at general motors in, in bedford blue collar guy and you know that was his deal he's like you have to go to college and i remember thinking how about i just get on at gm like you and kind of do what you do you make good money i mean but it was his ultimate goal you have to go to college and now he is his mind is blown when i look at him and i'm like dude i got a senior that just graduated got a welding certification he's working down the road making 60 grand and then i just hired a four-year college student to be a teacher i'm paying them 37 and this kid has zero debt walked out so that whole kind of system has flipped its own head and that you know i tell kids all the time doesn't mean everybody needs to be a welder you gotta have a passion for it and want to go do it but those trades are so wide open right now because there's a shortage for that even now absolutely too, right? and absolutely and it's hard work you know and i tell kids that all the time it, it the thing i tell kids there is nothing easy you know and that's what i say about education as well you know are there challenges in education yeah and i could sit here and and gripe and say this and this and this and this and it, it wears me out when people do that because we get you you call a d- local doctor on and he's going to gripe about you know obamacare and this and this and this and this all of us have it you have it in your job the struggles and the the things you you can't stand that frustrate you all of us have it and it doesn't matter where you go you're going to um it's how do we attack those and the best thing that i think about my job is with you or with someone else they may be dealing with a you know a product mar- uh, margin or how to how to make more money i get to go see that kid after they graduate i get to see him come back i get to see him bring their kids back you know 10 years later and to me that's why i do what i do so what i got two questions left here first one is about sports right because, oh yeah because we we all know that sports are huge mm-hmm. um how how does that because a lot of people when you go through and look friday night football it's huge basketball class basketball kind of killed it a little bit it we did. know that but let's go back before class basketball right and then the money generated how much effect does the sports program have on schools money generated for schools i've always wanted to know that you know it, it varies a lot um you know our, our athletic department at our high school is totally self-funded um they don't get any money in um we self-fund ourselves and it just depends on the year. And, th- and this isn't knocking. I know sometimes people think I'm knocking other sports. You know, the only three profitable sports you have in most high schools are football, boys basketball, and girls basketball. Um, sometimes some schools you might break even or do a little better in baseball or some others. But, you know, and, it, and it's that way all the way up, Division One. There's a reason why, you know, the big house in Michigan holds 110000 And, you know, and I'm not putting anybody down. The water polo stadium doesn't. Because you have to pay for those other sports. It depends on the year. I'll, I'll tell you right now, um, I always laugh and joke. We've got a uh, uh, new Yamaha mule that we use for athletic things that was purchased. And just so happened it purchased after Romeo Langford came through at New Albany. Well, not only did we he play a home game for us that sold out um, at Jennings County, came to Jennings County. Then we had the sectional split with them, which sold out. Romeo Langford bought that for us that extra influx of money was able to purchase that vehicle and i used to joke that romeo ought to come and sign it because i call it the romeo mobile because his influence and and his impact brought that so it's not even just your own players which can be huge um we're lucky in jennings county even though it you know it gets beat up a lot of times our people come support things no matter what and um will it get bigger yes will the bandwagoners jump but we get good crowds, good year, bad year, no matter what. Yeah, it was always fun playing against you guys. I mean, it really was. I mean, that was fun. The other question I have is, before we get to the main one, is so as principal, what's the best joke you've heard about you, or or who do they think you look like? Because unfortunately, you don't you don't have this beautiful set of hair like I have. No, no. Um, you know, I will tell you this, and 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 God rest his soul, honestly. Um, we had a young man that was in our, our moderate special ed class and uh, love him to death. His name was Austin Welter. And, and the kid was had some of the quickest wit. Like, honestly, um, and he passed away just a, a year or so ago. Um, he could have went and done stand-up. Like, like, I think about, you know, some of the guys I've seen and you've had on. 
this kid was so funny and and one day i'm sitting there and it was it happened to be a day that you know i i shaved my head um razor shaved my head but some weeks i don't get out of bed quick enough to do it and i start getting the, you know the old man bald head with the hair around the outside and i was sitting there on lunch duty and he comes and sits down next to me and he says hey mr roller you know what you look like <laughs> and i said what's that he said a deviled egg <laughs> he goes you need to get back in the refrigerator deviled egg and i, I just about fell down it's one of the funniest things ever and um and uh one of our assistant principals at the time was standing there and he got to laughing too and the kid looked at him and goes what are you laughing at you look like an ugly old troll and just so quick-witted with it and it, and it was so much fun and um you know and and loved hearing him come in and be able to crack those jokes at us and things like that so last question here you went from teaching coaching all the way up to principal where, where do you go from here you know it's it's something that people ask me all the time and um you know obviously a lot of people like that jump to the central office you know the district administration level you know for me i think i'm where i want to be um and people always think i'm lying about that because obviously there you can make some more money by going over to the district here's what i can't do and and this isn't a knock on our district office at all. I hate going there because it's all adults and it's boring and it's very, you know, stale to me. Very PL driven, probably. Yeah. I, I want to go. I love the hallways. You know, I love BSing with the kids. I love, you know, I love hearing the, the kind of off the color joke that maybe the kid thinks I'm going to write him up for, but instead I'm going to go, hey, that's a real good one, but don't tell it again. You know, I want those opportunities to work with kids. And I, I don't know that I could ever be happy without kids in the building because honestly, that's why I wanted to do what I do. And I tell people all the time, they're like, oh, I don't know how you deal with those kids. I'm like, it isn't the kids, man. The adults are the hardest people to deal with. The kids yep. usually will come around. Yeah. I mean, my wife said I missed the call and she said I should have been a teacher uh, in coaching because obviously a lot of it came from pops and his influence the way he was kids because i coached with him at saint ambrose and seymour for mm -hmm. the longest time and then obviously and and it was just so much fun because you get to see natural reaction mm -hmm. you know that kid who never gets in the game you get him in the game you know you run a screen for him he hits a shot or lay up and you're like oh and then you just see that face and he'll remember that you mm -hmm. know and I, and I and I think that. So, do you think that? And and this is not. We're not going to start rumor mill. I mean, have you ever thought about jumping to a bigger, bigger school? Um, no, I'm not even saying Indiana. I'm just saying, do, do principals get recruited? I, I don't know if they do or not. They can. Um, you know, and, and to answer your question, when I when I first came to Jennings County, and it, and it's a funny story. I I was going to be there for two years, and and I got the opportunity to come um, from Evansville was going to get to be a, a defensive coordinator and i really came as a resume builder and i was going to be there for a couple years my hope was we'd flip the script um be able to win you know some games build me a resume and my goal was to be back in the inner city um i wanted to go to louisville cincinnati indy back to evansville somewhere um to coach football on a, on a high level and to be honest that's where i met my wife and my wife is a, a local jackson county girl she wasn't leaving Jack, jackson county and my plans kind of changed. Um, to be honest, I don't know that I ever would leave. Um, you know, you look at you look at some of the big schools, and even in the state of Indiana, you know, you look at a Carmel, and you know the the thing about some of those places, I, I forget where I was even looking the other day, but they had thirteen assistant principals, and I thought, you know, I got three. Um, we're a real tight knit team. We we work a lot together. We're friend. Our families are friends outside of the building. I don't know that I'd ever want to lose that community feel that that you really have here. And like I said, every every school has issues. You know, I won't hide it in Jennings County. We got we got a drug problem. You know, we've we've got a, a socioeconomic problem, a, a community and family problem a lot of times. But you got problems in, in Carmel too. You got problems all across the board. And what you touched on about that, and a lot of the small rural towns have that because they're afraid to leave that town, mm -hmm. and then they get into that cycle. Um, they get into the government assistance. They get they get into that, you know they get into that. Um, I worked at a food bank in Bartholomew County before I moved up to Indy. I saw Richard first, second, and third mm -hmm. father, son, grandson, all on the same knew the program. 
right? And then, you know, and you fall back into the drugs. You don't want to get anywhere. And I think the problem is in saying sometimes in any city, they're like, ah, they're a drug addict. And that's one of the things that where, you know, especially if they're a parent and they have kids, the kids see it. And, and that cycle has been going on for long before all of us have even been here. It was just more well hidden. Mm-hmm. And now with social media and everything like that, it, it's not well hidden. And how is social media now? Because, I mean, teachers have it. Um, you have podcasts and um and obviously, I enjoy your podcast a lot. I've actually been on it. It's the only one I've never cursed on besides this one. <laughs> um, and so, how has that affected as a principal? Has someone listened to your show and been like, hey, I listened to that. You were wrong on that. You know, it's funny. And I want to back up just a second because, um, you know, one thing that you talked about was, um, you know, uh people knowing people and, and, you know, the family connection. And, and this is something really cool. And I want to spotlight about the North Vernon community. We, we just got actually an agreement with our, our local police department that if the kid, if they interact with a student outside of school hours, so let's say that there's that domestic dispute at 2 AM and dad comes home drunk and is beating up mom. And when they come in, if there's a, if there's two kids there, they're going to automatically send a message to our school resource officer so he can get with our counselors and our administration, and our teachers, so that we know that kid that walks in that maybe puts his hood up and puts his head down in class that normally we may ride up and end up giving that Saturday school to or whatever it is that may be gone the next week. Now we understand, you know, we can help give some supports to try and help that situation out. Because we never want to, no, no kid wants to talk about it. No. And, and when you grill them and get in their face, it's like anything. They're going to get defensive. and like, why, why do you care? Right. Just give me my, you know what, just give me my Saturday school. I'll do my time. You know, I just, I just need everybody to leave me alone. And, and so th- that's a really, really cool thing. Um, to talk social media and yeah, you know, the funny thing is, yeah, I've had that happen. Um, in that community, the funniest part is it's not usually married with children, even though I do have a lot of the, the people that I work with and in the community that listen. It's usually the dirt racing show because that's a community that's so uh, passionate about racing. Oh, I have a few. Um, I think his name is Steve Buscelli. Oh, yeah. Um, I went to high school with him. He's a great dude. Um, the Hayes's, I think Josh. Oh, yeah. Josh Hayes, yeah. Yep, I went to school with him. Man, I tell you what, Ooh. <laughs> they get, you know, last year was probably the first time that I noticed it the most. We we're at, we we're at the registration for the high school there and I'm just buzzing around the gym. I'm a first year principal. You know, I'm shaking hands and, you know, kissing babies and doing the thing. And I had a couple of parents come up to me and go, you know what? I'm not real happy with you. And I'm like, okay, just started this game. What I do? And he goes, I can't believe you said Marty O'Neill was better than so-and-so. And I'm like, Oh, he goes, I listen every Wednesday. It's the first time I had to shut your show off. And I'm like, okay, all right. uh, But did you visit our sponsors and did you buy a shirt? (laughs) So, Hey, do you have a shirt? Do you want me to sign your shirt? (laughs) So, and it's probably the craziest thing about that too is, and it's our, it's actually our school resource officer. That's my co-host on that show. And we just had our eighth grade orientation just the other day, our freshman orientation, the eighth graders coming up this year and three or four of them came up afterwards and like, Hey, I watched throttled up. Can I get a hat? Can I get this? That's awesome. So it, it's creating kind of that connection already. Well, it in makes class. you human. Yeah. It doesn't make you this scary, um, semi stone cold looking figure, you know, like, oh, this is a guy that can make go to Saturday school for four years in a row. Mm-hmm. And it shows that you're creative and it might take a kid and be like, what's podcasting? You know, because, and you're like, well, you can do this. Well, how do you do it? And then you can have, almost create like a club for podcasting. Mm-hmm. If you do, I will come down and teach one day. I yeah, will. Honestly. I, I'll make you that promise. We ha- we have a radio and TV class, and I just kind of moved their entire room, um, which was really scary to the teacher. But I wanted to, number one, I wanted our TV production stuff to, to really grow. But I wanted to give them a room that we could build into a sound studio, mm-hmm. which is selfish in a way. But I wanted our kids to really start podcasting. So, yeah, we're going to get there. Um, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, so I, you know, I may I may get in trouble because I may be down recording during the workday down there with the kids. But uh, you know, it, it, again, like you just said at the very beginning, yes, times have changed and things have changed. And you know, I remember when we were in school, it was a lot of memorization of facts. We don't need that anymore because Siri and Google can do everything I need to do right here in my my pocket. But the opportunity for creativity, the opportunity to get out. You know, I, I look at 
you know, your good buddy concept. Just, I just watched this new video because you shared it, and I, well, way back you shared his stuff, and I became a fan, watched him. His video comes out. 15 years ago, I would have never made that connection, you know, never been able to see that. The stuff I see on YouTube, the stuff you guys are doing, Juice is doing all around that makes that connection in the world today that 15, 20 years ago, you'd have a radio station be able to do this stuff. Yeah, and then I've always wanted to be in radio, and and like I said, I have two shows. I produce one show, and I'll be producing other shows. Is passion, and and, and it's finding something you're passionate for. It's like, hey, I want to restore cars. All right, how can we get you there to be able to find out what you need to start mm-hmm. and do? Well, hey, I want to make videos. I, I see these YouTube videos, but what do I need? Hey, okay, we can teach you that. And and that's one thing is, and you know, that's one thing about the group that we have around us, like with AP and myself. And you know, like he was sending me a text today. He's like, "Hey, I'm stuck on this video." And I'm like, "Okay, well, what if we do this?" You know, and like we had Sproles and Sproles, and then um, you know, we can't even with you guys. We've all worked together, Juice. <clears throat> I feel now it's more comfortable to say, hey, I don't know how to do something. Right. As a kid, I wouldn't say it because I didn't know what I was passionate for. I mean, I'm 39 years old. I was probably 30, 31. I was like, man, I want to do what Dan Patrick does. How can I do that? But I didn't know how to do it. And then all of a sudden, I got a different kind of iPhone, downloaded an app, and found out how you could talk into it. And then I was like, man, I just really like doing this. But and the passion grew and i think the tie us all together that's what we need to instill in kids like you may not know what you're going to do want to do mm-hmm. but you know you may go to school for four years or you just may do not go to school and and figure it out but if like i tell my kids i was talking to my son uh, lucci and i was like just find something you're passionate about and, and you know that's the thing i always tell kids too you know when i look at my wife and I, when we talk about our five-year-old um, and the things he's interested in, I said, the crazy thing is there's going to be jobs when he's 20, 15 years from now that we can't even imagine right now. I mean, if you go back to when we were in you know, middle school, high school, if somebody said I was a social media manager and making great money, we had no idea what that was, an app developer, you know, thing, things that people are a YouTube star, that in our lifetime, those things didn't, you know, didn't exist. And that's kind of what's cool for me right now. My son is ate up with this podcasting thing, uh, my five-year-old, and he, he's getting ready. Uh, we're going to start a uh, his own show. He wants a YouTube show. But what's been really cool for me is I've told him, you got to plan it. And even at five years old, he's already kind of starting that idea of, I want to talk about Nintendo Switch for this part because I really like that. Then I want to talk about, you know, this thing I like to do. And and he's he's building out that show. And I told my wife the other day, I I thought, man, we started this when we were 33 years old and had no clue. Imagine by the time he's 15, 16, 17, what he may be creating with his friends right here in the studio. Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting here next to a board, a laptop, and now I know how to edit the show, upload the show, and do all kinds of things. So, and no, but like, thanks for coming on. And and like I said, it's great to see like the educational system we're at, and it hasn't changed. But there's still the four letter word, which is care, mm-hmm. that's still there. See, people are still passionate about it, and and you know, and there's always going to be someone that's going to have influence in your life and everything like that. So. Um, it's the only time I felt comfortable talking to a principal, so I appreciate that one. <laughs> I understand. When I interviewed for the job, they asked me uh, uh, when I started working to become a principal, and I said when I was a freshman in high school, I started shadowing because I spent a lot of time in the principal's That's office. Right. All the adults laughed and thought I was joking. I was being 100% honest, but they laughed at that point. So. All right, so we'll end on this. I'll tell you my the time I got in the most trouble. It was... Um, they, they brought all the seniors down and said, don't try to grab the headlines. Don't try to grab attention. You know, big senior prank or anything like that. So right after that, me and two of my other buddies left, went to the donut shop, came back, brought the teacher donuts. She handed us our um, write-ups. My other buddy who was with us, there were three of us, he went to the principal's office, stole them out of the mailbox. So we thought we were home free, but we didn't realize there's two copies. There's a top oh. copy and a bottom copy. <laughs> So they call our parents on lunch, and luckily Pops answers the phone. And uh, or I called home because um, we could leave campus, so right. we always went to Gers Cafe. 
where we could actually fix our own food at times because we never knew if they were sober or not. <laughs> it was three dollars, three dollars for a burger, fry, and a coke. <laughs> yeah, and so I was like, "Hey, we're in trouble." Blah blah blah. We're calling our parents, and then they want to take away commencement from us. And <laughs> pops goes. I'll be damned if you do that. It was like, he goes, if I have to walk him down the aisle, me and his mom, he's graduating walking down the aisle. So they took away senior day because they're going to amusement park. I was like, cool. I was like, I don't like amusement parks. I get sick on rides. <laughs> what do we got to do? Well, you need to go over the middle school and get risers. So we're in, you know, those big vans. Oh, yeah. Um, so we're with this guy and I was like, hey, man. I was like, do you mind if we, uh, you mind if we smoke? And he's like, nah, I don't care. And I'm like, school vehicle. Pull up to the middle school, get out, bellow smoke rolling out, load up the risers. We're, we Then we just walk around the whole high school on the grounds. I said, go clean up. We just walked around, smoked cigarettes. And and the, and so, and then because I told the, and, I, and when I was in there getting in trouble, I was talking to the assistant principal who didn't like me because I dated his daughter. Right. I didn't even want to date her. I just did it to make a mess so I can call his house that's perfect that's bj at his finest very addictive yes that's perfect so i was like uh, uh mr blah 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 i'm not gonna say his name i do remember his name did not and i said hey you realize that the school handbook says that this is the punishment for this that and i go you cannot create another punishment that is not fair like i broke this rule mm-hmm. i was truant which means i get saturday school he's like no i'm gonna make an example out of you guys i was like so you just these rules mean nothing so I went in this whole lawyer spiel, like, no, this is what it is. I'll be serving Saturday school this Saturday. He's like, no, you're not going to graduate. And one of the other kids was like a really good student. And the other one was like me, middle road. But we got to graduate. So the ending story is, so I'm going up to get my diploma. They look at the sheet, look at me on the stairs, look at me again, look down. I was like, oh, crap. Am I not on the list? <laughs> And then they call my name. Like, there was like a good, it might have only been like five seconds. But it but, felt like forever. And I looked back and looked at my family and was like, oh, I'm screwed. So that's the biggest trouble that I'm going to willing to admit. But that was Absolutely. The, that was one of the funnest ones because we handed them, I, we gave her three donuts and she still wrote us up. My freshman year, we had open campus lunch at Mitchell as well. And um, we got in a habit. We had, a, we had an assistant principal time was retiring. And we would drive to Bedford to the Chinese buffet because Mitchell didn't have a Chinese buffet. Well, by the time we'd get back, we'd miss half of six period. Well, as long as we brought him back a to-go box, he'd write us excuse passes to go to class. So we'd walk right in the main office. The secretaries would be like griping us. We'd walk right into his office, set down his to-go box, and he'd get out his passbook and write excuse passes. (laughs) We'd head on the class. So he'd be like, only once a month. Once a month, you can pull this. And then I had an art teacher because I was fundamentals of ag is either take advanced or oh, yeah. my senior year. So I was like, and the only reason I, they wanted me to join FFA is just because they want me to play basketball on their team. Right. So the art teacher, who was also the baseball coach in Seymour, I don't even know if he still is. No, he's not now, but he was there for like 30 years and he'd always stop me because his son was in my class and they're like, Hey, come here. I got a joke for you. And I don't even know what kind of, jo- I mean, they were off the wall jokes and I hear the bell and I was like, he's like, all right, hang on. He brought me a pass. And I would take it to the next teacher. And I, I was late four out of five days because he would stop and tell me a joke. Oh, yeah. And then, <laughs> and I handed it to, to uh, the ag teacher, and he was just like, really? I was like, he saw me. It's not my fault. And he goes, that fat ass. <laughs> and I was like, what? I was like, he was like, I'm going to go talk to him. And I was like, I was like you're going to have to do something. He keeps, he keeps stopping me. <laughs> so every day, four out of five days, I had a pass for being late. Mm-hmm. I once took canned goods for my home to get out of in detentions. And then my parents, and then they, my parents went to make food and they were missing like green beans and corn. And <laughs> yes. like, there's like 14 cans missing. And like, he's arguing with my uh, pops, arguing with mom. Like, did you not go to the store? Uh, Steve, I just went to the store two days ago. He's like, where's the, all this stuff that I'm about to make meatloaf. And, my, and I was, and then all of a sudden I was like, Hey, that's my bad. <laughs> I had, to, I had to get out of detention because i think it was 10 cans got you out of detention i think i took like 30 <laughs> like, can i can't get rollover minutes can these count yeah. ahead well, of time? i was bringing in like beats like stuff that <laughs> nobody wants so well anyways uh thanks uh, thanks for coming on i really enjoyed it um because uh, educations with two teenage boys 
you know i, I just it, it makes me feel good that there's still that mentality out there because it's hard for parents to be with two parents working to be involved in school on a daily basis um and now uh, greenwood they very they never send hardly send home homework that's a new thing mm-hmm. and then i think that's where kids struggled a little bit in my opinion and they disagreed with me because i think it teaches them a little bit of responsibility because they get all their work done in school and then you know i'm like and you know one thing i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a lot of credit for even when you you guys were doing smugcast one thing you said all the time and and it's so important and I, i'll be honest i hear your voice even sometimes when i catch myself doing it is put down your phone and get off the screen and pay attention to your kids. And, you know, and you'd always say, you know, nobody cares about what you're eating right now. (laughs) Pay attention to your kids. And, and, you know, it's something that rings so true. And and I I mean it, I can hear you saying that. My boys don't want to hang out with me because they are teenagers. Not that they don't like me. Um, I picked my son up from the movies last night. Uh, Lucci, he's about to turn 16. And, and then I was like, Hey man, you want to grab some milkshakes? He's like, cool. So we steak and shake. We were talking about driving. He was talking about how cars work, and then he was asking me uh, about this. And uh, I'm gonna try not to get emotional, but like when he broke up with his first girlfriend, and he came to me, and he put his head in my chest, and I just saw like, you know, the heartbreak, and I was mm-hmm. just like, and that meant that means I did something right. Uh, my youngest one, uh, yesterday after football, I was playing hype music on my phone. I said, hey check out danzig's mother it's somewhere he's like what is that i'm like i don't even like the man man just listen to the song yeah, absolutely and then i sent him like some other ones so we're sitting there and my mom and my mom pulled up she's like what are you guys doing i was like uh we're listening to music and she was just like she just had to smile mm-hmm. you know because when they get older and if you're listening to this and you have kids that are eight nine dad's the greatest and then as they get older it's like hey dad can i get a video game you know and it, i don't know the the it made me know with those two kids, no matter what, I did something right. You know, and that's a big reason going all the way back. You asked me about when I got out of coaching and into administration. I had, I had a buddy that asked me one time, he said, how long do you think you'll coach? And I said, I don't know, probably when my first son's seven, eight years old, I'll probably get out. And I said, you know, that's when he'll start really getting into sports and I'd like to like to coach him. And he said, why did you pick that age? I said, just that's probably when he's going to start getting into sports. And he said, you know, if he gets a six, that's one third of the time you have with him. And he said, every year is one eighteenth of what you you get with them. And I'll never forget, I drove home and I was thinking about that. And I thought, man, I don't want to miss that. I don't want to jump in at eight years old. And, and it's probably the best decision I've ever made for me and my family and my son. Um, because it's funny that you say that kind of stuff. You know, my, my son and, and me, even people probably will judge this. Hopefully CPS doesn't show up at my door. But, you know, I, I love hip hop music. And my wife was laughing there at the, uh, the grocery store the other day and, and my son's favorite song right now is um, uh, Look At Me Now, um, the little throwback. And, and he's in the grocery store with my, my wife, and he's saying, I'm getting paper going around the whole store. <laughs> my wife is embarrassed as all get out. We're in Seymour. <laughs> and here's my five-year-old. Um, but that's his, you know, that's our connection right now. And that's, you know, I didn't want to miss those things. Ours so. was, uh, we would, and, and my wife would be so mad. We would play, <laughs> we'd play easy. Oh, there you go. Rolling down the street in my <laughs> six foot. And then she was just, and, and Colin and Luke would just be like this in the backseat of the car. And I am dying laughing and I'm in tears and I'm just like dying laughing. And, 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 and so, and that's the biggest thing is also we were talking about education, but like the greatest thing I ever did was become a parent mm-hmm. because you know we're we're responsible for for future generations i look at my boys i'm not worried about it nah we're good i mean we're, we're i mean there's like one or one to five percent of people out there that are just going to go their own way but these are the kids that are going to work they're going to drive the economy they're they're, they're going to be the and i'm not just talking about my kids i mean i see their friends and their friends are awesome and you know and and that's a benefit it's greenwood's not a small town but it is kind of a small town mm-hmm. you know and I'm, I'm pretty proud of that one so um i didn't think i'd ever sit down with a rival town jennings county <laughs> my mom is from jennings county i did know that she graduated there um and uh so that's awesome so but also plug it's time for the shameless plug <laughs> at the end uh, you know, Married with Children show. You can find us on all social media: um, Instagram, Twitter, 
um, at Married Show, uh, Married with Children on on Married with Children Show on Facebook, uh, mwcpodcast.com. Probably the best way to see what we do is to go over to aprpodcast.com. It's got all four of the shows that we do, uh, you know, the three that I do and the one we produce uh, for outsiders. Uh, but go check us out, you know, and the Married with Children show is a lot of fun. You're, you're going to get everything from um, UFC fighters to comedians to magicians to politicians to bands um we kind of cover the gamut on anything and everything and um basically we stole the smug cast model and uh <laughs> cleaned it up a little bit and and ran with it um but it's uh it's been good and, and, and bj i want to say to you this was a lot of fun and i appreciate you having me up and i love this format of uh the you know the one-on-ones here and and you know i'm, I'm excited to listen to this as well well i appreciate you coming up um, make sure you stay and stay tuned afterwards. I will have all the social media and um, everywhere you can go to reach the co to reach the show. But as of now, uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, the email is the BJ Robbins Project at gmail.com. Facebook is BJ Robbins. Twitter is at the BJ Robbins. Instagram is BJ underscore Robbins. And Snapchat is the BJ Robbins. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to one of those platforms so we can make that happen. Thank you.